welcome to TTELT, Teaching Tips for English Language Teachers, a program of educators worldwide. I am your host today, Dr. Eileen Hale. Beth Trudell is one of our board members, which we're thrilled to have her share her expertise with us, and has also served as an English language fellow in Bangladesh, Pakistan, and Afghanistan. Welcome, Beth. I'm going to do today, a lot of it comes from one of my favorite author's books, and here it is. It is Student Engagement Techniques, a handbook for college faculty. But these can be used in middle school, high school, college. Um, and Elizabeth Barclay has, I, have, I make no money off these books, but <laughs> Elizabeth Barclay has written with um, her colleagues so many books. One's on collaborative learning, one is on assessment. She's just a fabulous author. So as you get, I just got this this past week. It's the second edition. It just came out. And as you can tell, I've been using it a lot already. So um, I just wanted to share with folks this book and how wonderful it really is. The reason is learning begins with student engagement. And this is, this is based on evidence, on studies done. And not only begins with student engagement, it makes the learning of a much higher quality. So it's very, very important. And what in the world is student engagement, huh? It's a combination of motivation and active learning. Two things. Now, I know we all learned a lot about motivation during our teacher training, and it really is just the amount of enthusiasm, attention, and effort that a student puts forth. So what we're going to focus on today is active learning, okay? So how in the world do we do that? Well, we start out by trying to meet our students' needs. And... The first need that I like to think of is safety. I always want to make sure my students feel secure, happy, safe in the classroom. And Brophy, whom I'm sure maybe we've all read a little bit of, um, says students are able to focus their energies on learning without becoming distracted by fear of embarrassment or failure, that they'll be successful or by resentment of tasks that they view as pointless or inappropriate. We have a little formula here that student engagement, expectancy times value. Expectancy, the effort the students are willing to spend on a task is directly related to if they will be able to perform the task successfully. So if our work avoider person takes a look at the task and goes, yeah, I'll never be able to do that. That's when he starts talking, making jokes, getting up and walking around the class. We look at it as a classroom management problem, but it's not. It's not at all. It's that they're afraid of failing, which is a really sad way to be. Now, if he or she feels that they can do this task, and they can put some energy into it. And if the teacher is reinforcing that they're a lot better than they think, that could change. And if they're working in a group with students who are empathetic and caring, 
that will change too. And then the value. These are the two things we have to remember when we're creating engagement tasks. The value is the degree to which they value the rewards as well as the opportunity to engage in performing the task itself. That it means something to their life. This is my first tip. And this is brand new. I, I found this just this morning. This is brand new in Elizabeth Barkley and Claire Hollow Majors this, in this edition. I've never seen this activity before. So you are the first group to see it. Um, and this is called the rainbow activity. So we'll talk about how this can be done and you can come up with an idea of how to do it. So there's different questions to ask the students and they are color coded. So red, what is one behavior or, you, or thing you wish that the teacher or students would not do? What a great question for a warm up. Thank you, Elizabeth Barkley. This is such a great question. Um, you know, we need to know not just what we should do, but what should we stop doing that drives people crazy um, and other students. And so that's red. Red means stop, you know, stop doing this. Orange, what motivates you to do your best? So not only this is a warm up where the students are getting to know each other and express themselves, you as the teacher are learning a whole lot about them. And then yellow, to what learning experience have you given your all? What really pulled you in? Very important. Green, green's for money. What do you plan to do for a career? So again, this is all, this is like doing a fun needs assessment, but also the students are getting to know each other. You know, somebody will say, hey, this guy's gonna do this, or this girl thinks she can do this. And blue, blue for the blue sky. The sky is the limit. What are your dreams and hopes for the future? Do you know, I mean, one time I asked a similar question and a young man said, well, I take care of my sick mom and I, I cook, do all the cooking for the family. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this kid is going to school full time. He's taking care of a sick mom. He's doing everything at home. And he said, I hope one day my mother is well again. And I'm like, oh my goodness, thank heavens I know this. Um, and purple. Now this is one of my favorite questions. If you were the ruler, if you ruled the universe, or if you were the king or the queen or the president of the university or the teacher, what is the first thing you would do? Now, this is from the book again. This is called Artifacts. So artifacts are usually thought of as cultural or historical interesting items. And one of the things I quite often walked in with a basket of items, things from my home, fun things, things from my travels, and I'll go around the room and put one with each group or they get to pick one out of the basket. And then they, they talk about it and, and make up a story or, you know, um, or I have students bring in their own artifact that tells us something about themselves. Now online, this is pretty simple. I found these pictures and that I want students to answer, how are you feeling about starting this class? Pick a picture that matches your feelings. So I love the one of the woman on the tightrope, right? Yeah, I'm just kind of doing a balancing act here. 
Um, or how about the famous painting? Yeah, oh, the scream. Um, or here's somebody in the middle who's kind of overwhelmed. Lots of books, lots of classes. Um, and then a woman, a young woman who's pretty happy working at a computer. And here's the guy who's just lying on the grass thinking about class. There's his um, iPad, his Apple, his pen and paper. Which one are you? And, you know, you can pick different pictures for your culture. I just thought these were kind of fun. So artifacts, and you can use artifacts in many different ways. And then quotes. I love quotes. And um, a warm-up. I, I once asked my students to um, be prepared, bring in a quote of their hero. Their hero could be somebody from Star Wars. It could be their mom or dad or grandma or grandpa. It could be a teacher from their youth. It could be anybody. But bring in a quote of something your hero said to you that really made a difference. And again, this is a real insight into your students. And this can be done very simply online. Or you could have the student pick their favorite quote from the reading. And this tells you a lot about where their reading skills are and why they pick that. And it's very interesting. And students will learn from each other. Oh my goodness, yes, that's a much better quote than mine. Or, oh, I like your quote just as much as mine. And it's kind of a fun thing. Or I will get all kinds of quotes from local people, local folks. Um, and students will pick them out. And in groups, they'll write a story using the quote or we'll use newspapers. And they'll say, hey, maybe a quote would have been good here, or this is not a good quote, they're just throwing it in. They really have to think critically when they read something about a newspaper. So quotes are fun. I'll tell you when I'm training teachers, my favorite quote is, uh, William said this, um, teachers sometimes correct a student's paper as if they were editing it for publication, and they shouldn't. <laughs> so, I mean, quotes are, are always very interesting and fun in the classroom. And you can do silly quotes, too. It doesn't have to be so serious. So here's a list of other strategies. I went a little overboard here. You know, we used to do book clubs. Have you ever done a book club with students, Gina? I love doing book clubs. It's so fun. And you do. You learn a lot about your students during book clubs, yeah? Exactly. And it's a little harder online and a little more difficult to get them all involved in a book. But I like short story clubs, too. Very, very many countries have beautiful short story authors. Pakistan, when I was in Pakistan, they have some fabulous authors. And the teacher said to me, you know, um, my kids don't like English literature. I said, oh my gosh, with the great Pakistani authors, forget about English literature, do Pakistani literature. So give them a taste of their own writers and look up a short story, and so many are in English, and do a short story club. Maybe some of your students have favorite short stories. So that makes it a little bit easier to handle online than a book club. And then this is one of my favorites, Believing and Doubting. Peter Elbow, who is in the land of English language teachers, is called a contrarian, somebody who does things the opposite way. 
he created believing and doubting. And I have used this so many times and it's so much fun. And the good thing is, is that it's a really rowdy activity, but online it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, the teacher next door isn't booing because my kids are so noisy. But a student has to take an idea and support it as a believer and then take a step to the side and support it as a doubter. And one country I was in, there was a big issue about women inheriting. Women were not allowed to inherit, but that was being questioned. And we, I used things like that in the classroom, current events. And it's a great critical thinking, speaking activity, persuasive. And the fun part is their group has to decide whether they're really a believer or a doubter. And their best time was when they would fool me. And I'd say, you're a believer. And they go, no, I'm a doubter. And then everybody would scream and holler and cheer. So this is really a lovely activity. And there was one class where I did it to start the day or I did it to end the day. Um, we did a little believing and doubting and it was fun. And then directed paraphrase. You know, English language speakers need to be able to put things simply into their own words. So perhaps we're reading something and I'll say, how would you explain this to your younger sister or brother or cousin? How would you explain this to someone who never read this book? Put it in your own words. And paraphrasing is a real, really important skill. Different than summarizing. And it's something that in the work world, or if they go to graduate school, they're going to need to be able to do. And, but the, it can be done in an energetic way, not just writing by yourself. Um, you know, when they go to school, when they go to graduate school, or they go to work, they're not going to be sitting by themselves and writing things. They're going to be doing it with people from other departments. They're going to be doing it with a group of people. We need to get them doing this together so they can work on paraphrasing together and have a good time with it. And again, use a silly story, use a joke, get them to say it in their own words. Interviews. You know, one of the things we need to think about is how can they keep using English outside the classroom? So maybe they should interview their friends who, in English or friend, again, a relative in English, maybe their mom and dad are English speakers. And, you know, we can do a little class on asking questions, doing good interview questions to get good answers. And they can do interviews outside of the classroom and come back with them. And again, there they are using English outside the classroom. And then ethical dilemmas. This is one of my favorites and a favorite of my students. And it's like, you know, a young woman, she's a great student. She needs, a, she needs to get a scholarship desperately, um, but she's been sick and she's missed a lot and she's not doing real well in her classes. She has a chance to buy the final exam. What, she, what should she do and why?
They're very simple. You can make these up. And they, they talk about these ethical dilemmas. And again, it's a great speaking. It's a great critical thinking. How to persuade others, how to work with others. Um, and then you can have them write their own, which is really fun too. And I want to tell you that the whole point to wrap this up of student engagement being so, so important is that the University of Michigan, which is a very prestigious university in the United States, did a study on the best way for students to learn. And they looked at all the literature, all the recent literature, hundreds and hundreds of studies, and they came up with the best way for students to learn is students teaching other students. So that's another reason student engagement and working collaboratively is so important, even in the online world. Thanks for joining this episode of TTELT, brought to you by Educators Worldwide. Follow TTELT on social media. Make sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And try one of our teaching tips this week.